0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Twisted Tuesday episode of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, the beast from the East herself, Tammy. The Sasquatch, Underwood. Say, ah, Tam Hi. Oh, my God. <laughs> so disappointing.
1: I, no, I do that on purpose.
0: Yeah, sure. No. But, the, no, I had a mouthful of
1: donut frosting and sprinkles.
0: <laughs> Isn't that poisonous, the Sasquatches? Like, aren't you supposed to be eating, like, I don't know, deer and fish and pine boughs and shit?
1: Humans? I don't know.
0: No. No. But, you know, you, you know the right way to eat a human, don't you?
1: I don't know. I've never talked to Otis Toole.
0: With a leg over each ear.
1: Oh, my God. I knew you were going to go
0: somewhere
1: <laughs> gross. <laughs> I mean, I reverted back to our... Excuse me, our favorite cannibal, but yet you went gross. Uh,
0: oh, oh, and Tool, oh Otis Toole with his homemade fucking human barbecue sauce wasn't gross. Okay, no, <laughs> I, I see how it is. <laughs> he, he
1: was funny.
0: You got weird-ass fucking priorities. Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> so... No, what dawned on me during our little break there between, you know, recording our last episode on this one, because for those who don't know, we record these all in one day or try to, is that I realized I'm presenting every case this week because we had such a fucked up week (laughs) that nothing got done. So here I am pulling him out of my ass.
0: (laughs) Well, not the first thing you pulled out of your ass. I've been in the living room when you've had accidents. But uh, no, it was. It was just a very... It was the show, in, 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 bizarre week. In retrospect, the best part of the week, honestly, was the show. Even though it wasn't our usual packed-in house or anything right. like that, it was that, that was my my highlight.
1: Yeah, it was the highlight of my week too. But yeah, well, um, it,
0: I, I see that because I got a story. Because I love, I love starting off our episodes with some bullshit stories, personal information. So, mm-hmm. I woke up from a nap on Saturday, <laughs> and oh
1: yeah, you came out panicked,
0: and I was panicked because. I dreamed. I had a dream that John, my the other guitar player in the band, wasn't there, and Ash and Lady had already gone up and played. And now it's eleven thirty at night, and I'm on the phone with John going, "Dude, we're arguing." He's like, "I'm over here at Les Schwab at the mechanics with with my wife, Sherry." And I'm like, "Get!"
1: eleven o'clock at night. Your
0: ass <laughs> to the sh- dude. We you're late. And then I remember looking at the guys going, "No, we're going on. We just got to do this show." So I I put that into our group chat, and then. uh Matt, the bass player, uh, mm-hmm. comes back and goes, Dude, I had a nightmare about it too. I said, are You seriously? Yeah, I'm serious. So we're both panicked going in.
1: I do because he was talking about the nightmare he had at the show too. Yeah. But yeah. And then when John showed up, I said, Oh, so you're on time.
0: Yeah, so what I told him was, <laughs> I'm just glad you showed up, man. I was like in a panic I was sweating, yeah. like, John's not going to be here and this isn't going to go down well.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> But, um,
0: oh, so yeah, it was just a stressful week. Yeah. To,
1: and, well, and then we had other business dealings throughout the week, too, uh, that we just didn't get to this.
0: Well, right. You know, we, because we got so much going on. We do. With expanding and everything.
1: Yeah. Expanding the There's, company.
0: I swear to God, we need a staff of 20 more people. That's not even a joke.
1: No, you're, you're not lying because even though I'm not like completely overwhelmed right now, it's, it's almost there. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I, I feel you. I feel you on my end. Yeah.
1: So today's episode is...
0: Um, Alvin and the Chipmunks. No, oh, it's... Oh, I see Well, Alvin. I titled
1: it Judith and Alvin, Neely, because... But uh, let me give you a brief introduction first. Is there are times when I'm pouring through articles and reports and court documents when I start to ask myself what I would have done had I been in the same situation as the individuals we're featuring? Um, Especially when it seems that they suffered from an abusive background similar to my own. However, in some cases, there's not definitive proof that their claims of mistreatment and their youth are truly valid. That's not to say they didn't happen. You know, it's just I know from personal experiences, some people claim that shit happens and it doesn't.
0: Or they, over they I've seen that that's too. That's true too. You know where the I was abused as a child. It was terrible. Like and it ruined my life. And then you start my talking. My parents
1: home. didn't give me dinner one night. Yeah, it's, <laughs>
0: it, it, and then some. My dad told me I couldn't have that new bike, and my bike was old. That's not abuse. That's not abuse. Yeah. Yes, it was. I'm still traumatized. Okay, no. dude, you need to be taking some. Some serious meds because that's not abuse. You're yeah, just, and some you're people, fucked up.
1: And some people who say, "But my parents spanked me growing up." Okay, no, that's not abuse. There's a difference between discipline, which is a normal spanking, or abuse, which is a full-on beating.
0: Correct. Correct. So,
1: correct. yeah, because even my son at a young age realized the difference. Because I think I only swatted his butt three times. Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm a big fan of spare the rod, spoiled child. Yeah. And I think that today, so a lot of kids, like whenever I go to any store and I see these little mongrels, these little freaking they need a goblins, good pop
1: on the ass.
0: I think that some of these kids need a backhand across their head at times.
1: <laughs> they like, need a tip okay, slap over the back of their oh, head. Oh, shit,
0: shit. They, they, they need to do this Southern styles, is what they need to do. I, I, I just, I, I'm waiting for the day that I see a dad or a mom just get tired of their shit and go, boy, you know, over here. And get I mean, o- oh. Yeah, that's oh. all one word. Get oh. over here. You know, over here. And I'm, oh, you're from my neck of the woods. All right, that's going to be good. And then you're going to know it's uh, serious when that that dad looks down and goes, boy, in 2.5 seconds, you might die. I'm just letting you know I've had it with the shit. Yeah. Don't die. i like, yeah. yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hey, what's your name? Your name's Bob. You want to use my belt? Hold on. I'm taking that belt off. Here, don't use the buckle. Don't use the buckle, okay? Just use okay, maybe the buckle once.
1: <laughs> if, it slips, no, if it slips, no no harm, no, yeah, no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul.
0: You get like one or two little snippies, because I've seen I saw what your little kid did. Okay, I saw what yeah. your cross goblin did. And I bet you that looks at me and nods his head and goes, Jojo? Yeah, how'd you know? Oh, we know each other.
1: Oh yes we do. Yeah. Well it is so funny because I mean, my son went through a phase where I put him in the corner and I was abusing him. And I looked at him one time. I said, honey, if you think this is abuse, because he he said he was going to call the police. <laughs> I said, honey, if you think this is abuse and if you get on that phone with the police, you better tell them to hurry. Because I know I have at least three to five minutes before they get here and I will make the best use of that time. <laughs> no and shit. And he huh? just looked at me and like, never mind. <laughs> and I go, you know what? Because I've been to jail. I ain't scared. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways,
0: you know that you are the only felon on the staff, right?
1: I as of right now. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, currently, I'm, I actually want to employ more felons. But.
1: Well, and not just that, as we've reached out to Josh Phillips. Correct. A case that we covered because we were so impressed by not only his background, but the way he made efforts to change when he got in trouble, mm-hmm. even though he thought he was going to be in there for life.
0: Yeah, uh, totally, yeah. 100%. He's got a lifetime offer at this company, yeah. full, full ride, housing, the whole shot. Yeah,
1: and full so, ride. but yeah, I know I am. But then we have to remember that our staff is literally right now, you, me, and the intern.
0: That's right. I, f- <laughs> I, I fired people, huh?
1: You have fired a couple of people since oh, then. Yeah, I huh? mean, we have a contract waiting to be signed by somebody else. But as of right now, there's three of us. So I don't, I mean, you're a misdemeanor. And your son's still too young, so holy
0: shit. Well, no, we we still have merch staff that I could that will still work for me. Oh, okay. But uh, and we got some tech staff. Oh, okay. We we have people that will that I can call.
1: Yeah, but they're not like active staff members. So no, 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 no. Yeah, that's what I meant by staff because yeah, we have we ha- well we all have. I mean, we both have people we can call and say, hey, we need your help.
0: Yeah, that's but, true. But yeah. I I need to start hiring more people. But Jesus no, and Christ. I mean,
1: especially when it comes to claims of sexual abuse is where I have a hard time because
0: I have to pay extra for that. I'm just saying I
1: was gonna say because I know what it's like to withstand sexual abuse. And I also know that yes, people process it differently, where some people will disassociate from it and only able to recall the memories when it's triggered by a scent or a sound
0: Yeah, that makes sense, where yeah.
1: I have vivid recall where I can tell you precisely where and you know right around the age I was not the exact day of course of what happened and it is I can't I have a hard time driving through North Plains in the summertime because it that smell takes me back
0: oh wow shit. yeah
1: it's bizarre but it bothers me when people try to claim sexual abuse yet they have no details it's like I, that makes that doesn't track with me, you know. Can I tell
0: you a story? Okay. Okay. So I got to start with how I met my girlfriend. We met at not my family reunion. I got to lead with uh-huh. that. But a family reunion for her family because so I was dating her cousin. So me and her cousin had split up, and I get this email from her cousin. That says, let me quote: "Quit talking shit about me to my family." And I'm like, "Okay, hold on, what did I supposedly say?" I can't tell you that. And to whom? Yeah, <laughs> I said, "Okay, who was I talking to?" I can't tell you that either. But she went on and on and on. I had notes left on my on my vehicles from her. Wow. Um, which I means she was stalking you. Oh yeah, no, it was it was freaking just brutal. But she did that more than once, where she'd make outrageous claims. But had nothing to back it up. And I, you know, in, in my defense, by the way, I wasn't talking like crap about her to her family. You know, The I never said nothing really bad about her at all. Right. Nothing. And then, yeah. So I, I, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. I feel you.
1: Yeah. You know. So the case I'm presenting today is about a couple convicted of murdering two people. However, they were involved in much more than that. Who is this couple you ask? The answer is Alvin and Judith Neely. The adore Ed- dude. <laughs> do, 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 Alvin, Simon, do, 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 Theodore. Theodore.
0: That's what I was saying. Yeah. I see Alvin, and my brain goes to Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, me too. Time.
1: The red little sweater.
0: Uh-huh. And, uh, and then their their handler or whatever it was, you know, Alvin.
1: Yeah, exactly. Dave, that was it. Dave. So they were also known as the Bonnie and Clyde of where? Joja. Georgia.
0: <laughs> Here we and go. Th- if you look at their cover Why? picture,
1: they're standing in front of the Confederate flag and he's g- holding a gun like pointing at her.
0: Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> that's just that makes all of us look so, so bad.
1: It does. It does. But hey, they're from the northwest corner of Georgia and you're from the northeast corner. So, you know, you're separated by that.
0: <laughs> it's close enough. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because George is not that big.
0: Now I know why you asked me exactly where Dalton George is.
1: Yeah, I was like, I want to know whereabouts you're from.
0: That's that's great. That's fucking just goddamn it. Yeah, I hate you so much. I
1: know. So Alvin was 11 years older than Judith, but reports indicated. She was the instigator and mastermind behind their crimes.
0: Of course she is. Women are evil.
1: Yeah. I'll provide you with the information I was able to gather during my research and let you decide whether that's true or if she was just a victim of abuse who finally found the one person she thought would protect her no matter the cost.
0: No. She's guilty.
1: (laughs) Has to be guilty. Has to be guilty. So it all started in 1982. One evening in September 1982, I'm going to pause. Can you bring me a Gatorade, please? Um, Kenneth Dooley received a phone call from an unknown female claiming to be acquainted with his wife. She wanted to get directions to his house so she could stop by for a visit and he provided them without hesitation. Now I know that sounds odd, but remember this was in the 80s. People trusted people back then. Um, Kenneth was an employee at the Youth Development Center located in Rome, Georgia. And it's a small town in the northwest corner of the state. And the YDC is now known as the Regional Youth Detention Center or RYDC. However, in the 80s, it housed adolescent girls who had a troubled history. Some sources claim he was a teacher at YDC and others state he was part of a security staff. However, they all agree that he did, in fact, work for the facility. When he arrived home later that evening and mentioned the phone call to his wife, she stated she had no idea who the caller could have been. The couple had been married. Thank you so much. The couple had been married a few months at that point and they figured it was just a simple misunderstanding and quickly forgot about it as they carried on with their lives. Then on the evening of September 10th, 1982, a woman called the Dooley house asking for Kenneth when his wife stated he was at home and wouldn't be back until later. The woman hung up. The phone rang again later that night and Kenneth's wife answered the phone again and it was the same woman from earlier that day requesting to speak with Kenneth. When he took the receiver to take the call, um, he was greeted with an angry male voice and not a female, as his wife indicated. As soon as he got the word hello out of his mouth, the man on the other end of the line informed them that he was quote going to pay before quickly ending the call. Kenneth stood there dumbfounded for a moment and he didn't have as he didn't have any idea what the caller meant by that statement. Sometime later that same night, out of nowhere, four bullets were shot into his house. Two of them were fired into his study, where he normally would have been sitting. When he looked out his window, he saw an unfamiliar vehicle taking off down the street. He called the police right away, but he didn't really have a lot of information for them.
0: That's my new rap song called Hillbilly Drive-By.
1: Oh, oh my God. Now we're getting into some territory that I think you might actually be able to pull off a rap album.
0: Me and Notorious P.I.G. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be. Uh, if
1: you could learn how to flow, down. that would be awesome. I
0: flow just fine, man. I'm not
1: talking about your urinary or bowel flows. Oh, my bad.
0: <laughs>
1: so Kenneth didn't know if he, he was the actual target of the drive-by shooting or it could have been some teenagers randomly shooting at his house. However, if they were the tar- if they were targeting him, who would have had the motive to do so? Well, all of the unanswered questions, he was concerned. Not only hang on, was he, at, was he home at the time of his shooting, his new wife with his new wife, but he was also, but he also had his two young children in the house that night. Needless to say, Kenneth didn't get any sleep. He was worried about the possibility of the shooter and or shooters returning if they had intentionally targeted him from the beginning. Now, unfortunately, Kenneth wasn't the only one being mysteriously attacked. Less than 24 hours later, someone threw a homemade Molotov cocktail at a house on the other side of town. This residence belonged to Linda Adair, one of Kenneth's colleagues at Whitey's C. Now, police reports from that night indicate that just before the attack, Linda's husband informed her that earlier in the day, a young woman had called the house a couple of times asking for her. However, she was at home for at least one of those calls. When she went to take the phone from her husband who had answered it, there wasn't anyone on the other end of the line. Shortly after the Molotov cocktail was thrown at her house, one of the boys in Linda's neighborhood reported seeing a car driving away. It stood out to him because unlike other vehicles driving through the area, this one was speeding. He described the vehicle as a brown-colored automobile with what appeared to be an off-white or cream-colored stripes down the side. Inside, he recalled seeing a man driving with a woman in the passenger seat. And the boy even said that the woman appeared to have, quote, long reddish hair. So he got a good look at them. So after firefighters put out the flames, inspectors were able to examine the device. They noticed that it had been constructed using the most basic items. A glass bottle filled with gasoline with a saturated rag stuffed stuffed inside. A little bit of moonshine. That someone lit right before throwing it. Hold on, hold on. They said it was gas, not moonshine. Not shine.
0: All right, here's the deal. Me and uh, and Jolene, we've done that before. And it's moonshine. They're lying to you. Gas is expensive. (laughs)
1: Gas is expensive nowadays, but back in 82, it was
0: like less than 50 cents a gallon, wasn't it? It was, but, you know, hard times. There's a recession and, you know, and... and
1: That's true, because in the 80s was the gas crisis where they uh, rationed it, right?
0: That's right. Scary times.
1: Especially in California. So, um... Let's see, where was I? Oh, at the time, they assumed that since Linda's husband was a local arson inspector, he was the intended target. Little did they know they were making the wrong assumptions. While the investigators were still on the scene, Linda's phone rang and she answered it. The person on the other end of the line was a young woman. She didn't know if it was the same one who had called before us and she hadn't actually talked to her. But the caller informed Linda that both she and Kenneth were, quote, going to die that night. That's when it was clear to everyone that the firebomb was a message targeted to her. Not long after the young woman called Linda's house on the night of the attack, another call was received. This one was made directly to the local police department. The caller on the other end of the line told the authorities that not only were the attacks on Linda and Kenneth linked, they were motivated by revenge and rage. The young female placing the calls refused to give law enforcement officials her name, nor was she willing to provide them with any specific details. However, she did say that she had recently been housed at the YDC, and while she was there, she was sexually abused by staff members. Considering she placed the call directly to the police department, it was automatically recorded. So when the whole situation started to become even more complicated than it already was, this recording became very useful to everyone involved. Investigators took the recording to Linda and had her listen to the call. She immediately identified the caller as the same woman who had phoned her house on the night of the attack, the one who warned her that she and Kenneth were going to die. Yet she wasn't able to identify the voice as someone from the, that she knew from the YDC or anywhere else for that matter. So the police began searching for clues and interviewed other staff members at YDC trying to pinpoint who could have been responsible for the attacks and decide whether the allegation of abuse had any substance, right? Because somebody's saying that they were sexually abused. That has to be investigated, especially at a state-run facility. Correct. Since no one had been hurt in the attacks and there were no obvious leads, the case went cold quickly. There was no reason at that time to suspect that the violence had just started. That was just like the beginning of what they were going to freaking encounter with an agenda that was barbaric in nature. Uh, then on September 25th, which is about two weeks uh, after the attack on Kenneth, two young girls were approached at um, along the west the west side of Rome, Georgia, by a woman who wanted to, who asked them their names. Um, Her her modus operandi, it later turned out, was to pretend that she knew a girl that she was approaching and intentionally call out the wrong name, right? Like walking up to somebody and going, Linda, is that you?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You
1: know, which, you know, I don't tend to use people's names because I know they look familiar, but I don't want to get the name wrong. (laughs) so once she was told that that wasn't the person's name she learned she would learn the girls actual names and where they were from where they lived she continued to pressure the girls about going with her to ride around in her car both of the girls managed to avoid her and like decline her offer but it soon was evident that they were the lucky ones um Lisa Ann Milliken, a 13 year old girl, was at the Riverbend Mall, which is a central shopping center in Rome, Georgia. And she was there to uh, visit the video arcade. You know, remember those? Mm -hmm. And um, she was on an outing with five other girls from, uh, they were, these girls uh, lived at the Ethel Harvest. Home for Neglected Girls in Cedartown.
0: I need to be in a home like that. I'm a neglected boy.
1: It says neglected girls. Oh, wait. <laughs> still tracks.
0: No, that'd be even better. <laughs> Come here, You're little so neglected dumb. girl.
1: Now, two years prior to this, a woman was held at gunpoint and robbed at that mall just the day before Halloween. But Lisa had no knowledge about that event, nor would she have cared. She was a teenager, and she probably would not have believed that incidents would ever come close to her. Because, you know, as a teenager, we think we're invincible. Um, but she was dead wrong. In fact, the same woman that had been arrested for the robbery and sent for a brief time to the juvenile facility at, RD, or at the YDC was now the one luring her away from the mall towards a brown car. Since no one recalled seeing a struggle, it's apparent that Lisa went willingly, right? One minute, she was with those, the other five girls, and she split up and telling them that she would meet them at a certain spot within an hour, but by the time they, the others were back together, she was nowhere. Three separate searches were made throughout the mall, and then the police were called, but Lisa still could not be found. The social worker from the facility where they were staying was worried. Um, even though she had accompanied the girls, she said that Lisa had last been wearing jeans and a white and black pattern blouse. Now, several days went by after this event and there was still no sign of Lisa. She was just, she vanished. Then three anonymous calls to the police from a female came in. All of them apparently from the same person directed them to Alabama's Little River Canyon near Payne. You know where that's at?
0: Vaguely, like really vaguely.
1: So that was just like some 35 miles away from uh, Rome. Now, first, the Rome police received and recorded a call and checked it out superficially, but they didn't find anything. Then police in Alabama took the next two calls. A call also came into the into a Rome radio station, claiming that the police were covering up a murder done by a female juvenile officer. Now, the caller specifically named Lisa Ann Milliken as the victim. And in retrospect, it appears that the girls, that her abductors were attempting to implicate people in authority for various offenses from the sexual abuse, from sexual abuse to murder. Okay. So finally, the police decided, you know what? We need to make a better effort here. So they did a thorough search of the area where the caller told them to go. Especially since she seemed so persistent and gave them specific instructions. Then as night was falling on September 29th, they saw the still figure of a child draped over a tree trunk. She was face down on the canyon floor a pair of oh jeans hung from a branch near her and as they repelled down the ravine to get a closer look they saw that she had a bullet hole in her back and she had not fallen accidentally she was murdered um apparently she'd been thrown there from the 80 foot height above and as they carefully brought her body up to the top in a basket, a woman had known her from one of the juvenile facilities identified the body as Lisa Ann Milliken. An autopsy later revealed that she had, a, she had suffered a series of brutal attacks. She was raped. Then she was injected in the neck and back with something that boiled the fat under her skin into what one author quotes as saying, the county coroner described it as a consistency of anchovy
0: paste. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Crime scene investigators also found amongst the debris near the body three plastic syringes that they tested for fingerprints and the chemical analysis to find out what the substance was. From the reports from the crime lab, they learned that it, the basic components of the of the fluid inside those syringes was toxic household cleaners, more specifically liquid draino. Could you imagine? I mean, granted, I was a method, and I know that Drano is a common ingredient in bathtub crank, but I didn't go that route most of the time. <laughs> so You're I couldn't imagine, huh? You're
0: not a method now.
1: No, I don't do meth anymore. I'm still a meth addict. I would do it in a heartbeat if I thought I wouldn't die.
0: No, I thought you were high all the time. Okay.
1: No, you know that. You said yourself that you would do cocaine again if you thought you wouldn't die.
0: Continue on there, Methany.
1: No, I do not eat people. Get it?
0: I know that was the best episode that we did. <laughs> I
1: know, well, kinda, yeah, because
0: i because uh, of the I, pulled pork pulled, sandwiches. I thought that was great, making pulled pork sandwiches, talking about. Yeah, you set the you scene,
1: there. and you fucking asked me how good they were, and then when I told you how <laughs> delicious, like, well, yeah, well, here we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good times. That's good times. That was
1: gross. So these would these chemicals would affect the flesh in ways in the way Lisa's skin appeared at the site of the injections. And it would have been excruciatingly painful for her. The jeans that were hanging from the tree had red splotches on them that were tested and determined to be blood. But they weren't Lisa's jeans. So someone who had been close to the girl had thrown them over the edge and they thought that the jeans might actually belong to the killer.
0: They're my jeans. I was feeling pretty.
1: Were they skinny jeans?
0: They're my tight ones. Bell bottoms. They hugged my 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 tuchus.
1: Did they hug did they hug your hips?
0: They're my hip. Were huggers. they low
1: riding jeans or were they high waisted?
0: Low riding, of course. I have to show my beautiful body. Your
1: belly button ring.
0: That's right. My tramp stamp that says manhole.
1: Manhole uncovered. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're so, we are so bad.
0: Liquor in the front, poker in the rear.
1: Ew! Anyways. That's going to be a name of our bar. (laughs) LFPR. (laughs) So, Detective Sergeant for the Kenneth Kynes was assigned to lead the investigation. Aside from whoever had made that phone call, there were no suspects. All they knew was that the voice that was recorded. So, if an arrest were actually made, they could compare the voice recording with the the suspect's voice. It, so it was a good place to start. <laughs> they listened to each of the calls. Made to the various locations. Regarding Lisa. And some of them agreed. That the same woman had made all four calls. Um, especially when they typed out the transcripts. The clues laid in how she talked. And the phrases she used. As well as her accent. Okay. She sounded rather young. And several things she said indicated that she was familiar with the juvenile justice system. Investigators then checked whether Lisa had any enemy, known enemies. And while it turned out that she was not popular with anyone, there wasn't anybody who had a specific grudge against her that would indicate a motive for murder. Whatever connection she had with the caller was still a mystery. They figured that her abductor was probably from the Rome, Georgia area rather than Alabama since the calls had been uh, since the first calls had been made to in Rome. Uh, Yet they interviewed everyone they could think of from the girls at the home where she was staying to former neighbors to her father, who was a destitute man and who had also allegedly molested her. And also her mother who had a boyfriend who was fresh out of prison. So, of course, they're going to look at close family members. They always do. Those who are closest to the victim, right? That's where they always start. Now, many of these people were actually given lie detector tests. And some look, you know, like they could possibly be suspects. But nobody emerged as the most viable person to investigate further. It seemed that Lisa either had friends that nobody had knowledge of or she was taken by a stranger. Given the phone calls and the fact that she had been murdered, it was likely that she had run away from the mall and just stumbled into a bad situation. The incident had all the marks of a random pred- a predator randomly snatching her off the streets. Even as the investigators were busy with this crime, another one was taking place in Rome with another victim targeted who received similar treatment. Now on October 3rd, cemetery worker John Hancock, that is just the epitome of a southern name. Here we go. And Janice K. Chapman, his fiance, accepted an invitation to go riding around in a vehicle with a young couple. Although the woman in the car was a complete stranger, these two decided to go anyways. Now, a couple of authors say that they were invited to go to a party and that there were some children in the car, but other authors indicate that that wasn't the case. Um, there was one, off, one author who actually researched the case in depth and he states that the that Hancock's story that the young woman told them she was lonely and just wanted some company for a little while was the more feasible explanation because John Hancock was a Christian and he later said that he felt obligated to do what he could for this girl because she looked so forlorn and lonely that he didn't know what would happen if he rejected her, you know? So he and his fiance got into the car on the way as they were driving around. They talked with her and she showed them her Cobra CB radio and actually got into a conversation with somebody on the other end who they who she referred to as Knight Rider with an N not a K. Now, she acted as if she didn't know who Knight Rider was. But later in the evening, she
0: referred to herself as Rump Rider. No. Oh, my bad.
1: Later in the evening, some things happened that indicated that she did actually know him. And one author says that the couple played with the children, but um and the but the guy who did the extensive research states that um the children didn't come into the scene until later that evening. Um so like I said, there's kind of a lot of controversy, you know, controversial things regarding this case because if Depending on which author you go with You get a different story You know
0: You want to hear something really funny What You know how my glasses were all blurry Yeah I put on the wrong glasses
1: uh, You know what That, that makes sense
0: but- I've done
1: that before I've gone driving in your truck And realized I had my reading glasses on I'm like looking at a street sign going What the fuck does that say
0: Yeah oh yeah But <laughs> we're gonna, we need to pay the bills And do a mid-roll right now You ready I want you guys to all check out Music Nation with Scott Cross on Gun Music Radio, G U N N Music Radio, every Monday and Thursday at 8 p.m. It's the best hard rock and heavy metal uh from the Pacific Northwest and beyond. And they focus on bands like I said from the Pacific Northwest that are unsigned or have an independent radio uh, re- record label. Right. So I mean it it helps out the smaller guys that don't that aren't being funded by multi-million dollar companies.
1: Right, um, right, like Sony and DreamWorks and right. fucking and RCA. I, and I know
0: Scott and I know his uh, his wife, Brenda, very, very well. Great people, definitely <laughs> worth the listen to. So that's all I got to say. That's a, that, I'm giving him a mid-roll plug.
1: There you go. And you know what's ironic about that is we are basically halfway through already. Huh,
0: and I know you're crazy. not following
1: along, so I don't know how you knew that.
0: ESP, man. Yeah. Whatever. I wanted to give him a plug at the beginning. Um, and it's only because like we're not getting paid for it, but I, I like them. They're, they're, they're good people. It's a good show.
1: They are. They are very good people. And, you know. So anyways, John and Janice had actually had CB handles of their own. So John saw that the frequency that the woman was using on her CB was rather weak as she was talking with Knight Rider. So he wondered what was happening. Not this night Rider guy seemed to be quite close rather than where he said he was. He communicated with the woman who went by the handle Lady Sundown in a way that John wasn't able to decipher. So he relaxed and went along for the ride, right? One author insists that her name was Lady Sundown as a takeoff from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid.
0: I kind of figured that one.
1: Yeah, but then... To John's surprise, John Hancock's surprise, the woman took them outside of town. And she came to a stop where a large man was apparently waiting. Um, Another author says that she parked first and he came from behind in a red granada. But then it was later determined that this man was actually the mysterious Knight Rider. So John introduced himself and Janice to Knight Rider and said he... He wanted to find some booze. Then they all drove away together in both vehicles and to another place that was miles from where they had all come together. And Knight Rider pretended that he was looking for someone that could supply them with the booze. However, John no longer had any idea where they were. He had lost all sense of direction while they were driving around. To his surprise... um, when he was when they told him he could you know when he told him he had to go urinate they let him go lady sundown walked up to him with a handgun and forced him deeper into the woods she walked him down a narrow pathway and he heard night rider yell at her to quote get it over with she told john not to worry about his girlfriend Knight Rider yelled at her again, and John soon found out what they had in mind when she shot him in the back. He felt the impact to his right shoulder and fell to the ground. Fortunately for him, she was in a hurry and didn't pause to make sure she had killed him. She thought the first bullet hit him square in the back.
0: Oh, God dang.
1: Yeah. So needless to say, John was shocked by what had just happened, right? But he was still alive. He laid there for a moment... Just feeling his body drained of blood. But then he quickly came to his senses and he knew he had to get out of there. He heard the cars drive off. And when he was sure that he was alone, he ran for the road to find help. He didn't have any idea what this evil couple was planning to do to his fiance. But he hoped he could get to her before he passed out from the pain or from the loss of blood. He managed to flag down a truck driver who was helpful enough to take him to the hospital, and a nurse there called the authorities. He had been shot through the right shoulder and made a full recovery. The uh, police officers who who went to the hospital to take his statements suspected that it might have been a drug deal gone bad, since he was saying that a woman had shot them, and he seemed and he didn't seem to put up any resistance during the the. The incident, right? And then there was his manner. While he spoke to them easily enough, they de- te- and they didn't detect any dishonesty in his accounts, he seemed oddly unconcerned about what was happening with his fiance, or even about his own attack. It's like it was no big deal to him. It also seemed to be a rather strange story altogether. I mean, because who's going to say, yeah, I was picked up by a woman. Me and my fiance were picked up by a woman, and she appeared lonely, and I didn't want to leave her alone, so we went. You know what I mean? It just, it even for back then, it sounded strange. No, that
0: sounds awesome. Only the lonely. Or
1: one is the loneliest number.
0: No, 69 is when you're doing it alone. <laughs>
1: Nothing? Nothing? No. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to form this without sounding mean. Oh, wait. I'm just going to do it because you're mean to me. Honey, you don't have the flexibility to do that right now.
0: <laughs> uh, no kidding, man. I got too much ass and belly in the I way. was going to
1: say, you got a paunch.
0: <laughs> that I do.
1: Yeah, no. But anyways... um uh, bah, 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 bah. Even so, there were also a number. There had already been a number of reports over the past few days of people being accosted by a woman driving around in a brown Dodge with white stripes. This lent credibility to John's accounts. He was able to supply it to supply the investigators with a description that gave them a break in all of the recent puzzling cases. Um. Although the author who did the in-depth research says that it occurred um, accidentally as opposed to as a direct result of his interrogation. Um, He was taken to the police station for a polygraph by one skeptical officer when he overheard Kenneth Kynes playing the tape of the female caller because they were viewing the tapes again. That's when he recognized the voice of the woman who shot him telling his story again to kinds. He's offered more physical details of the couple in order and was able to actually come up with a composite sketch. Right. And for kinds, this was the first real break in his case. Now, John was shocked when he, uh, by the unexpected turn of events, even though he was alive, he laid. Oh, I wrote that twice. Hang on choose not uh, the loan. Twice. Hang on. <laughs> Let's see. first break in the case. Let me go back and
0: you know, normally you don't do that shit. I guess it has been pretty taxing. On well us and last it's week like so. I don't
1: yeah, normally like I said though, because I'm kind of flying by, so it's like all my snippets copied and pasted together. So as it turned out um the um it wasn't, a, it wasn't hard for them to identify the um, couple from the composites because these two suspects had already been arrested for other crimes by that point. They were currently in custody in Tennessee. Now, according to one thing, they had it titled Boney and Claude. Which I thought was fucking awesome. I thought at first I thought it was a typo, and then I realized what they did. And yeah, they they named them Bony and Claude.
0: No, you know what that is? That that that's the name of a porn. I bet you. I will bet. I would bet that there is a porn name called Bony and and Claude. You think so? (laughs) That sounds like a porn. porn It does
1: sound like a porn name. Yeah. So Judith and Neely actually had numerous um, monikers. Pseudonyms and nicknames Throughout her entire life She was referred to Variously as Judith Adams Which was her uh, maiden name
0: The Adams family Then
1: um, she had CB handles Lady of Sundown, of course Or Lady Goodyear And she also went by The CB handle Bride of Frankenstein
0: I wonder if if she called herself Lady Goodyear Because she had 365 uh, used condoms what oh because you, you make i was thinking into a tire. the tire yeah you, you you use them all you make them into a tire and you call it a good oh year.
1: i see i was like <laughs> i was thinking the tire and then you went to condom so i go oh yeah i guess a good year would be 365 days of sex huh but then that's where my mind went now she was originally born in murfreesboro tennessee in 1964 her father was a construction worker and like a Moderate. They refer to him as a moderate alcoholic, which means he probably wasn't deep, a heavy drinker. But when he did drink, he tended to get kind of like, you know, whatever. And he had actually died in an accident when she was only nine years old. Now, after his death, conditions at home went downhill. Her mother was arrested for contributing to the delinquency of a teenage boy. And even without that charge, she was apparently very promiscuous, thinking nothing of having her male companions come to her in, her, in the family's trailer. Which, um,
0: do you have her phone number? No. I'm asking for a friend.
1: I'm wondering if that's the number that I took a picture of on the bathroom wall at the venue.
0: <laughs> that's hot. I
1: saw the number. I go, I got to take this.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so anyways, um, and I didn't really get a whole lot of details, but then, like I said, I was still kind of working on this before we started about what the charges of delinquency contributing to the delinquency of a teenage boy meant, whether she was engaging in sexual activity with him or if she was providing him with drugs and alcohol. So when Judith was 15 years old, she met Alvin, who...
0: Simon and Theodore. We've been over there. Some
1: say that... Some reports said that he was 12 years older than her. Some say that he was 14 years older, but he was born um 11 years before her. I mean, almost to the day. <laughs> um he was described as a larger than most football players cuz if you see he was pudgy, overweight, but he had a he had kind of like a sweet-looking face, like a kind of a Almost like a baby face.
0: Oh, I want to grab his cheeks. Yeah, and go, no, he's uh, so, Alvin, aren't you so cute? cute I mean, cute,
1: cute, knowing cute, cute, what cute. he did, I still looked at him with disgust. <sighs> so the impression that he gave Detective Kinds, Alvin, did when they finally encountered each other was that he was a wimp, a pathetic person. Uh, I mean, like the epitome of a pathetic person, right? Yet it was always easy for Alvin to pick up girls. When he was in Georgia, he was a car thief with a friendly demeanor who was more than happy to give Judith a way out of her situation at home. See what I mean about the protector that would, you know. Right, right, right. Which we've encountered before. That happened with um, Carol Ann Fugate and what's his name? Starkweather. Uh, yeah. Remember, she was in an abusive... And I'm trying
0: to remember what her name was. Um,
1: God Her name it. was Carol Ann Fugate.
0: That's it. Okay, sorry. I said it
1: once already. God,
0: my brain is still just... I'm dead. I in don't know day. what else... Yeah, I don't know what else is wrong with me.
1: But yeah, it happened with Carol Ann Fugate. She grew up in an abusive family, and she thought Starkweather was going to rescue her. Now, um, where was I? Oh, so their... I guess their chemistry was instantaneous. It was like love at first sight. And they couldn't imagine life without each other. However, at the time they met, Alvin was still married. He decided that he would divorce his wife, who was more than happy to let him go. And him and Judith quickly got married. They eloped in Georgia in 1980 and got married. Two years before the crime started. Now... Judith moved along easily with Alvin into his life of crime. They were constantly on the move, robbing convenience stores, gas stations, all the way from Texas to Georgia to finance their transient lifestyle. As they came into the Riverbend Mall parking lot in Rome, they finally made a mistake. In 1980, they robbed the woman at gunpoint. Soon they were caught trying to cash stolen checks and got arrested. Alvin had outstanding warrants in several states, went to prison for five years. And Judith ended up in YDC. She was pregnant at the time and wound up giving birth to a set of twins. Then she was transferred to another youth facility in Macon, Georgia.
0: I know right where Macon is. Where's Macon? That's south of Atlanta.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: if you if, if you uh, if you get up on seventy five and, and you start heading south, about an hour, remember remember right, since it has been since, uh, been a bit since I've been down. The,
1: been a coon's age?
0: No, about a half coon's age. Uh, well, it's it's about an hour ish, maybe a little bit more or less uh, south of Atlanta.
1: Is it close to the Florida Georgia line?
0: Nope, but it's it's on its way.
1: Oh, okay. Now, Judith was actually released from YDC towards the end of 81, and she didn't have anywhere to go, so she moved to Tennessee to live with Alvin's parents to wait for him to get out of jail. Yet, however, she did return to her old ways while she was there. She started robbing convenience stores and was arrested again. During that time, Alvin's parents were more than happy to help her take care of the twins. Now... Six months after she arrived in Tennessee, Alvin was given an early release from prison. So they took their children and left, except that Alvin now had a score to settle with the staff at Rome YDC, according to reports. When they were ready, they would act. First, they had to have money, right? They learned how to steal checks from post offices and use the signatures to forge money orders, which became their primary means of supporting themselves to keep track of each other. They installed CB radios in their vehicles. Alvin became the night Rider and Judith became Lady of Sundown or Lady Sundown. Um, now, one author says that they actually gave themselves the nicknames "Bonnie" and Claude as a joke about the resemblance to the roving bank robbing outlaws Bonnie and Clyde. However, another author says that it was the police who gave them that moniker. So from a hotel, they they would stay in hotels and they would attempt to lure women in for. Uh, I don't know how to word this. Interesting, and I'm using air quotes, sexual escapades. But the woman <laughs> they tried to lure in failed to show up. Nevertheless, they clearly were creating fantasies together at this point that would fuel their more serious crimes.
0: Okay, I gotta give a little psychology lesson on this. Okay. And it's for the benefit of our listeners.
1: No, I, I, I think I've heard this one, but go ahead.
0: There's, There's nothing wrong... With having kinky sexual fantasies. No. Not at all. With your partner. None. Or even within her. your own head. <laughs> yeah, or even within your own head. With that said, provided, <laughs> it causes harm to no one. True. When you start luring people, like if your sexual fantasy is like we did one that liked to uh you know, kill women while he was fucking her. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember who the hell that was. It'll hit me eventually, but um, you know, then that's that's where it becomes you've got a mental you got a mental issue, but yeah. you know if uh, if you're sitting there you know and your sexual fantasies are hey I want to have a threesome or I want to be into right. orgies or I want to have like a you know a, a bisexual thing going on there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that that's that's natural.
1: No, and they're, you're a okay. And I'm going to add to that. There's actually nothing wrong with a fantasy of kidnapping someone and using them in your sexual escapade, as long as that person you're quote kidnapping goes along with it.
0: Right. It's called uh, they call
1: they have rape fantasies. Yeah, People, it's, it's, it's women consen- who actually want to be quote raped.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, consensual, non-consent, not something like that.
1: Yeah, it's called consensual. Ah, um, oh, fuck. I had it in my head. Yeah, I
0: know. I'd so die, but... But yeah, as long as everybody's consenting, that's fine. Where you run into an issue is when your sexual fantasy becomes... Well, let's just face it. Fucking sick and illegal. If your sexual fantasy is to fuck kids... No, dude, that's wrong. If your sexual fantasy is to really rape somebody, like, for real... Yeah. And it's not consensual, that is wrong. Right. And I don't care what anybody says. Well... Minor, uh, what was it? Minor attracted peoples. That's just a sexuality. No, it isn't. It's wrong. That's what the hell that is. Yeah, no. Put a fucking gun in your mouth.
1: Yeah. Isn't there the Nambia or whatever?
0: Yep. Uh, No. Nambla? Nam. Yeah. National Man Boy Love Association or something like that. Yeah. That's just. Because we we discussed that uh, in my psychology classes.
1: Yeah. Oh, and you and I have also discussed the. The possibility of trying to infiltrate a group to get, like, an inside scoop on them, but then you're afraid you'd kill somebody, so...
0: I would. I would. <laughs> you know, as much as I don't like children, I don't believe that any child should have the shit beat out of them or molested. Or have, have
1: their innocence taken away, yeah. Right.
0: You don't You don't fucking... You, you don't do that to kids, man. That's just... That's jacked. And I know that, you know, even though in my brain I'd be like, I'm going to take this place down and get all this information... Um, there's a part of me that would kick in and pretty soon people would start dying. Yeah. And then I'm the bad guy and I get to go to prison.
1: Yeah, no, totally, totally. I mean, I, I get your point there because, I mean, our regular listeners know that I was raped at the age of 10 and my life changed forever, you know? so it, Yeah, it
0: changed your DNA, actually, because you started becoming a Sasquatch and roaming not. through the woods. I
1: actually did not get my bigger feet. Until I mean, I always had the bigger bone structure, but my big feet didn't come into play until after I had my son, when I was pregnant with my son. They grew to two, two sizes,
0: and they say like that, that the, the Grinch is hot.
1: <laughs> you know what? Holy you shit. and I have got to stop this. I mean, pretty soon you're going to be just like my best friend, who we start and finish each other sentences. <laughs> but anyways, it was in September of nineteen. 19- 82 when they wound up back in Rome, Georgia and decided that was when they would start their attacks. First, they took the shots at Kenneth Dooley's house and then they tossed the Molotov cocktail at Linda Adair's house. Within days after that, Judith abducted Lisa Milliken and kept her captive in two different motel rooms in both Georgia and Alabama for a total of three days. Um, Now Alvin in the beginning denied being with them but witnesses from both hotels clearly identified him as being there. And Judith and Alvin had sex with Lisa in front of their twins and kept her handcuffed to the bed which forced her to sleep on the floor. Then
0: There's there's a ton going on there that is fucking wrong.
1: That is a shit ton of fucked up.
0: God damn, Yeah, like raping and capturing and holding hostage is bad enough.
1: Yeah, a young teenage girl, yes. But
0: now, both partners are involved in it, and you've involved your freaking kids in it by doing it in front of your kids. Yeah, you've
1: involved your young children who were less than two years old. You know, and that, even though they might not remember it, when they get older, depending on how their memory works, they still have that imprinted. You know what I mean? Oh, Totally. In their psyche. So <laughs> then, at Alvin's direction, um, because apparently he had discovered this was a way to kill somebody without being discovered. Judith took Lisa to a remote area, the canyon in Alabama, that would become her makeshift grave until the authorities found her. She tried injecting her with drain cleaner products that they had uh, purchased specifically for that purpose. However, Lisa didn't die. Judith kept shoving the needle into her for six a total of six times over a half an hour period in the neck and her back.
0: But Dude, this one's super fucked up. Yeah,
1: but this procedure did not work. And I ha- and I know why it didn't work. And you probably do too cuz you have some medical knowledge. It's because the drain cleaner was Injected subcutaneously, mm-hmm. so it didn't enter the bloodstream. If they would have hit a vein or an artery, she would have died instantly. Oh, totally. Yeah, it would have just burned through her entire system. You're talking
0: a caustic soda that's fucking being introduced into your mm-hmm. bloodstream. Yeah, it's gonna it hit the heart quick.
1: Yeah, which you know what? We haven't had a medical. Yeah, we did, didn't we? That did bleach. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did bleach. Yeah, it we was... We haven't uh, done any
0: caustic sodas, though.
1: No, we did... He did... Well, no, she did bleach in the dialysis line, but we also had uh, Orville Majors who did bleach in an injection, remember? Yep. So, yeah. In the end, Judith decided she would just kill the girl outright, so she shot her three times with a 38. Now, one of those bullets went through Lisa's back and out of... and uh, Exited out from her left breast, which killed her, you know, because right through her heart. Correct. Then when Judith was certain the girl was dead, she just tossed her over the edge of the cliff and watched as her body fell. And then she would later say that Alvin stood by and masturbated as he looked down at the battered body below.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: They should have been on a Friday episode, too.
0: No shit, because this is just yeah. a bucket of fucked up, man. Like, seriously, all of my jokes aside, man, because, you know, we've, we've talked before on and off air that I'm into some pretty wild kinky shit. And I'm, I'm pretty open sexually about anything. that I'll, I'll try almost anything. You know, I mean, I'm not German. I'm not going to let somebody take a big dumper on my chest.
1: You're not into scat play?
0: No, that's just fucking disgusting. But almost everything else is open. I can't see the sexual attraction, number one, like I said, to kids because that's just fucked up. But to be looking at somebody that you just pumped full of drain cleaner and shot and threw over and masturbate to it, what the fuck is wrong with yeah, this Yeah, how game? does
1: that turn you on?
0: This is just, this goes beyond disgusting. Yeah. And it goes beyond just fucked up. Like, there's something in this guy's soul that's wrong.
1: Yeah, totally. Now, some reports indicate that when Judith first described the, this incident to the authorities she kind of alluded to the fact that she was alone and then alvin denied being there however he did also initially deny raping lisa but then finally admitted that he did have sex with her but only one time okay but they kept her for 3 days so oh I yeah just one time in 3
0: days let's just i'm sorry alvin we're we're the wrong ones here you just scamper along on your yeah, merry little you just had her handcuffed
1: idiot. and just used her her body one time right
0: Jesus Christ! What a fucking dick.
1: needless to say, it's difficult to know which story is true. But then we find that a lot with the confessions of serial killers—you never know what to believe.
0: (laughs) Right, Henry Lee Lucas. (laughs) I know. That's That's who you were just now thinking of,
1: Lucas and Joel.
0: You were just thinking of Henry Lee Lucas. How do you know? I just know.
1: Oh my God! I hate you sometimes. Yeah, because it's like it's, that is the first name that popped in my head when I said, you know, we never know what is true.
0: So, Alvin, where'd you bury the other body? Oh, that's easy. I oh, killed yeah. somebody. I buried him underneath this freeway. That's underneath right. I five. And that's right. Uh, was, I think they were saying. I think interesting they're in thing, the
1: pylons but... of the bridge, right? Yeah, tear <laughs> apart
0: the bridge. Oh, maybe maybe I didn't do that. Maybe I oh, didn't do that.
1: You you have the bridge destroyed. My bad. <laughs> I was wrong. Maybe Oops. it's two o five. The Don the, the Olson Bridge. Anyways, um,
0: it's a Glenn Jackson bridge, by the way. Oh,
1: that's what I meant. Why did I say John Olson? John Olson Boulevard, maybe? I
0: don't know. I I don't know where the hell that is. Yeah, Glenn
1: Jackson. I don't know why I said John Olson. Anyways, so Alvin even tried to claim that Judith masturbated him into ejaculation and then put the sperm inside Lisa.
0: Okay, look, either way. So he
1: didn't rape her. It was Judith who did it.
0: Either way, it's disgusting. Okay, okay. Let's go with that. Let's say that Judith jerked him off, got a handful of j- jizz, and gave gave their victim the good old sloppy jalopy.
1: Well, and it's like, okay, did she do it with a handful, or did she use a turkey baster, or what the fuck?
0: Well, let's just say she gave the sloppy jalopy. So he, <laughs> she had a big old handful of jizz, went over to her twat, and went, damn, up I'm in there. I'm just
1: picturing it, because you know I'm a visual thinker, and that's just gross.
0: That's why it's called sloppy jalopy. Yeah. Anyway... That's still you allowed it to happen, Alvin. You let this go down. It doesn't matter if you raped her, or that, or, or it went down the way that you said that Judith did. It, it's it, the fact still remains the same. You sick fuck. Yeah, you violated this girl. Yeah, either way you yeah. look at it, you violated her. Don't sit there and try to fucking uh, minimize what you did. True. Jesus Christ. True. Fucking idiot. Well, Willin- and. It's like when he
1: told the authorities that story, they looked at him like, really, dude, this doesn't even make any, it, it doesn't even make one iota of sense.
0: No, it makes no so sense.
1: that's when he changed his story and admitted that he had sex with her. So five days after they murdered Lisa, Judith went driving around looking for another victim. She said that she saw a woman at a payphone that looked like she was alone, but... When she pulled over and asked the lady to go riding around with her, the woman refused. That woman later re- later re- uh, remembered and told the authorities that she had a eerie feeling when Judith came in and approached her, which some people have that sixth sense, you know? Well,
0: especially if Judith is rolling up going, Hey, Ray, little girl. Come <laughs> here. Are you by yourself? <laughs> Why don't you take a ride with me? <laughs> Why do you sound
1: like Beavis and Butthead right now? My name is we need Gunn to watch that animal. movie. Isn't it streaming?
0: Uh, on the Paramount Network, I think.
1: Yeah, I have that one. but um, Oh,
0: I, I have no fucking idea. I don't even know what the, really what's on the TV. Because I don't watch TV.
1: Yeah, you don't really watch TV so much. I was going to watch that show, FaceTime my son, and watch that show we watched last weekend. You know, the other episode of that show we watched last weekend. But then I was caught up in episode the last episode, so I was told him we'd have to put it off. Ah. So, um, let's see. So fortunately for this woman she was on the phone with her husband at the time so she told him just come get me otherwise she would have actually needed a ride so she would have been in a dilemma right then on one evening Judith was out again when she saw 22 year old Janice Chapman which is John Hancock's fiance now even though Janice was with a man Judith thought that with Alvin's help They could easily manage to take care of both people, right? They could get rid of the guy and then take the girl. So Judith pulled over and invited the couple to go riding with her. Then She says that the man hesitated, but the woman seemed eager to do it, which makes no sense to me.
0: You're a sexy bitch. Will you rub Mike LaTorres too? Will you give me a sloppy jalopy? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yuck. Then... Finally, finally, they both agreed to go right to get in this car and go riding around with her and As they climbed into the car, she got on the CB radio and contacted Night Rider breaker break on the
0: one nine. Night rider, you got
1: your ears on.
0: Come on back, Lady of the Nine. Lady of Sundown. Whatever her fucking name is. She's Lady of Disgusting. <laughs> that's what the fuck she is.
1: And that's when she used their secret code to let him know that she was on their way to on the way to the rendezvous point.
0: We got a code sixty-nine sloppy jalopy ten four.
1: Whatever.
0: <laughs> so
1: at the rendezvous point outside of town. They put Janice and John into Alvin's car and the children got into Judith. So this is where the children came into play as opposed to earlier. And they all drove around like, you know, tandem for a while. When they stopped, Judith forced John to go into the woods where she shot him. She said she simply wanted him out of the way. Then she, they took Janice, who was considered to be meant. I mean, and I'm using the legal term here, so don't, like, hate mail me, who was considered legally mentally retarded. But you so can, you was, can actually
0: say that. Nobody can give you shit. I know. You, you want to know why? Because you're retarded.
1: <laughs> just shut the fuck so up. So
0: you can, you can say retard. I hate you. <laughs> so, so,
1: in other words, she was unaware of what was going on, right? She was just alone for the ride. And they took her to a cheap motel, raped her numerous times before they shot her to death. Then they took her body to a wooded area near a local crick a crick because it 's not a creek that's it's not right. the sound a bed makes it's the water
0: <laughs> you are finally learning learning some southern
1: honey no i I'm from the midwest. We always have referred to a crick as a crick. My son goes, but how what what how do you spell it? I said, C-R-E-E-K. He goes, and then he, like, says something. He goes, well, how do you pronounce a day, you know, in the week? I said, week. And he goes, so then it's Creek. I said, no, it's Crick.
0: It's Crick. <laughs> it's Crick. Just, like, proper directions. It's over yonder. Okay. Up the road of peace.
1: Up the road a piece, over yonder, a stone's throw. Yep,
0: as crow flies.
1: As the crow flies, and um, around the bend.
0: Yep, around the bend's another one.
1: <laughs> and true depictions of time is a coon's age. Yep. Um, oh, let's see. I haven't seen her in a coon's age, a month of Sundays, and there's one other one I can't known remember.
0: Known you since you were knee-high to grasshopper. Yeah,
1: I've known you since you was knee I still say that. Knee high to a grasshopper. But then my mom still says fiddlesticks and uh, horse feathers. So whatever. (laughs) Nice. I know, right? So um, after they took her to the creek in this wooded area and dumped her, this time they didn't report that the body, where the body was. It seemed to them that they had already gotten away with murder twice. So they were ready for another victim. However, they needed to get, gather more funds to, you know, pay for their crime spree. Hey, man, cheap
0: hotels aren't uh, free, you know.
1: No, but they you are. You got two cheap. choices
0: you got to write hot checks or suck some dick. And uh, apparently they're going for the hot checks.
1: Hot checks. Yeah. So, um, anyways, that's when they went to Murfreesboro to pass some of their forged money orders. They didn't get very far because someone recognized them from the flyer,
0: and I mean, they is were. Is it in Murfreesboro in me- Tennessee?
1: Yeah, where yes, where she was born and his family's from. Okay, I was sitting there going, "Wait a minute, I don't." Because remember when the composite was released, they said that the couple had already been apprehended in Tennessee.
0: No, I didn't. That remember was, in the was saying the Oh, my bad. Then yeah, because I, I I'm 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 focused on uh, Bama and Georgia. and then he no. said Murfreesboro. I'm like, that's up towards Tennessee. Like yeah. that's that's up there. Up.
1: Fire. Yeah, no. That's over
0: yonder, man. That ain't down here. Yeah, no, that's more than a stone's throw. Way more than a stone's throw.
1: <laughs> so anyways, some like I said, somebody had recognized them from the composite flyers, and they were arrested. Now, each of them, as soon as they were in custody, started pointing the finger at each other. It's like, no, he did it. She did it.
0: They started fingering each other. Gotcha. Sloppy Jalopies and Fingering, next on Brutal Nation.
1: But Judas' eventual defense staggered the police and enraged the town. Once she was out for herself, she cut all ties with her husband. Like, uh, kind of like Fred and Rosemary West.
0: Amen. When the ships when the ships sinking, man, it's all it's every man for themselves. The rats will jump.
1: The captain doesn't go down with the ship in this instance.
0: (laughs) No, but in that porn, the captain goes down. You're so stupid. (laughs) Apparently,
1: both of them uh, preferred quote a pirate's code, which is what you just said: every man for himself. And those who had surmised that Judith was quite bold for such a young woman. We're we're about to see exactly how brazen this girl was. Now, that was the way these two operated. When they were arrested back in 1980, each gave a conflicting version of the events. Alvin said that the check cashing scheme was Judas' idea, and he didn't do anything. Judas said they had planned and pulled the robberies together, but two years later... Her story became even more vivid, right? Because back in 80, when they both did separate time.
0: Right, right, right. Right.
1: But now, two years after the fact, after they committed murder, she goes into even more explicit detail. After their arrest, Alvin was smart. He, as soon as they had him in jail, he said, I want a fucking attorney. And it shut down the interrogation. You know
0: what? I'm proud of him. I got to, I got to tell you, man. I'm actually yeah, but I'm you're proud gonna
1: hate his attorney here in a second.
0: Well, I, and let me tell you why. Because so often do people sit there and go, "Oh, I'm just gonna explain this to the cops and I'm gonna clear this stuff up." Yeah, I yeah, you're gonna do that, buddy, and you're gonna yeah, do yeah, because they will twist your
1: words. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, you're gonna do twenty to life the second that you yeah. say. Um, you know, uh,
1: uh,
0: if you have the time, watch the first 48. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because every single time. That they get, you know, that they get taken in, like, do you need an attorney? We just want to talk to you. Yeah, I'm just gonna clear this stuff up. You'll hear like Fontaine is now doing a live sentence.
1: Yeah. But totally.
0: every time that, you know, uh that, that they go, um, yeah, I want a lawyer. You see the detectives go, God damn it. Yeah. And then at the end of the show you see, you know, like like Bob uh, was acquitted of all the charges and charges yeah. were dropped. Every time, every time. Well, look at
1: what happened when we covered the Chicago Ripper crew. The main perpetrator lawyered up right away, and they couldn't charge him with murder, period. Yeah. You yeah. know, granted, he got a lot of time for what he did do, but they could never charge him with murder. I, mean, I
0: don't like attorneys. I like my attorneys. Right. I don't like most attorneys. But, you know, they, they're sharks. That's exactly what they do, but that's their job. Their job is to go in there, right. and they'll ask you, okay, look, dude, did you really— Murder these people? Mm, right. Yeah, yeah, I kind of did. Okay, no problem. Here's what you're going to say. You're not going to lie, but you're not going to give my any other information. Right. And then the, the, the detectives on the case are going to look at it and go, son of a bitch. Right. All we well, need and- him to do is give us a little bit more information, but uh-uh, you ain't getting it.
1: Well, right, and in, in relation to that aspect of it is some really good friends of mine, one of their sons, who is one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet. I mean, all of their kids are very respectful. I mean, their daughter's a little egotistical, but then, you know, she was a beauty pageant girl and everything else. Oh, my
0: God. And too. she's
1: actually a very good dancer and choreographer.
0: Me, too. Oh,
1: my God. No. <laughs> Anyways. So, um, one of her second oldest son was at a party one time when he was younger. And even though nothing happened, he didn't do anything at this party one of the girls there accused him of raping her. And so they figured he didn't do it. So let's just go down the police station, clear all this up. He was under investigation for two years before the police finally determined that the girl had fabricated the entire story. And during that time, he went into such a deep depression and his basically his life, he felt like his life was ruined, you know? And when she was telling me about it, I said, man, I wish you would have called me because I would have told you from the very beginning, don't say a fucking word, ask for an attorney. Because no matter what you say, those cops will twist it around to fit
0: their scenario. It's in the Miranda. It says everything that you say can and will be Be used used against against you. you. It's weird that you brought that up because... Like, when I was going to a lot of industry parties in L.A., um, I was at a, the particular party where this happened, and this girl, and I'm not going to mention either party's name, but she was, she was fucking plowed.
1: Okay. Just
0: fucking plowed. And she's hitting on a friend of mine. Okay. They kept hitting on him, and like, to the point that she put his hands down her, or up her skirt, rather. And uh, he's like, no, I don't think so. So, fast forward. He got arrested. Because wow. she said, he raped me. And the first thing he did was, uh, was he had his lawyers come in. Yeah. And then they started questioning everybody who he was at the party. This is like about, oh, I don't know, a few days, uh, half week, week later. And we all said, no, dude, this is how this all went down. Like right. We had our eyes on this dude the whole time because we're all <laughs> hanging out. Right. Because, you know, we're, we're all fucking doing blow and, and, and drinking oh, together. Oh, yeah, totally. So it's, it's not like he's going to say, excuse me, guys, because I want this drunk chick now, dude. And she wasn't even that hot. So fucking it wasn't going to go down. And
1: he wasn't drunk enough.
0: No, no. Yeah. It's just, I mean, don't get me wrong. She, she wasn't a bad looking girl, but she just wasn't, wasn't the cream of the crop for the picking. Well, and um,
1: usually when pe- girls are that inebriated anyways, they kind of lose attractiveness.
0: And we don't even think she even had sex at the party. That's the whole thing. We, we, we were all talking about it after the fact. We're all, I don't even think that Blank even went into any of the rooms with any dudes. or Yeah. Like she was, I, I don't remember ever seeing her leave the party. Right. You know? Where
1: she wasn't present amongst the throng of people.
0: Yeah. But it turns out she was just ass hurt. Yeah. She was just ass hurt that my friend wouldn't bang her. Yeah. That, that, that was the bottom well, line. seeing
1: this girl who accused my friend's son... Was dating this other guy, this other kid, but she was flirting with my friend's son and he got, and her boyfriend got mad. So she accused my friend's son of raping her. So to get her boyfriend off her back.
0: So that's jacked up. That's why I say most women are yeah. fucking evil as shit, man. Yeah.
1: Well, and like I said before, it's like accusations are thrown around that are unfounded and it pisses me off because it makes us real victims look like we're making up our stories.
0: And it does. And it makes a lot of us biased because I'm biased against most women because I've been through some shit. And I haven't had the best experience with most women. I'm, I'm having good experiences now, by and large. I mean, don't get me wrong. Me and my girlfriend do have our issues. Um, right. But. Um,
1: and even though I'm not your girlfriend, you know that I'm not going to. F- well, you as of right now, you don't think I'm going to fuck you over, which I don't intend to do. But, you know.
0: Surprisingly, you're so fucking honest that it bothers me. Really? I, I don't need a fucking receipt when I send you out. I know. Buy, like, hey, can you go pick me up a pack of smokes? I don't mean, need a fucking receipt for that shit. Maybe a pack of smokes. I don't give a shit.
1: I know. But see, that's just my thing, though, because even my best friend, my best friend and I have had each other's cards before. You know what I mean? ATM cards, debit cards, everything. And it's like I will still provide her with receipts because that's just who I am.
0: Well then, you've you got know. you've got my pin numbers because but because but that again for those of you that don't know is that Squatch is actually my personal assistant. Yes, and uh, and and as well as my co-host, it just kind of worked out that way where she became my PA and then became my co-host at the same time. Uh, you know, in, right the about the course course same time, yeah. Because we need we decided to fire this shit off. But um, you've got pin numbers and access to a lot of shit because that's point of doing business. I
1: even have your social.
0: Yeah. Well, because we transfer money back and forth yeah, from accounts. Exactly, and
1: exactly. Exactly. And we deal with
0: merchants and we deal with vendors. Yeah. And, God damn, I do need 20 more. I got to hire some fucking people. I got to run some ads or something. Jesus
1: Christ. Well, I tell you.
0: I'm starting to feel like a dick now. Anyway. Right. But anyways, let's anyways let's yeah, let's get back these to cunts. these guys. Yeah.
1: So anyways, um, but even though he lawyered up right away, his attorney actually told him to tell the police everything he knew.
0: Oh, gee. bad attorney. Bad. I know. I told you you're going to hate the attorney. That's a public defender. That's what yeah. the fuck that is. That's all public yeah. defender right there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, Alvin said that Judith was the instigator behind the crimes and she was actually responsible for eight murders. Now, one author says it was 15 and another officer, I mean, another officer did, uh, officer, author? you mean author, author? I knew I was saying it wrong both times, yet couldn't stop myself. Did agree to the fact that it could be 15 victims as well. But Alvin said he was just, he just went along for the ride, right? Apparently she enjoyed having power over others. But it
0: still makes him just as fucking guilty. Yeah. You are Jesus. the adult here. And fucking, I hate when we get to people, and this is either on the show or in in our outside lives, that take what they did and try to minimize it. Fucking own up to your bullshit, dude. Yeah.
1: Well, and that bothers me, too, because you and I both know that when it comes to what I did when I was a teenager, I own it. Mm -hmm. 100%. I own my part in it because that's the only way I can continue to better myself
0: right and you know i've talked about that before you know is because i've been through anger management domestic violence classes and shit like that is i own my shit yeah i don't like what i've done no okay i don't like it one fucking bit but i own my shit
1: yeah Exactly, you know, and I regret I at, what I've done too. And I
0: look at this dumbass sitting there going, was it my fault." She decided to give me a handjob and gave the victim a sloppy jalopy before she killed her and fucking y'all you know, did this and that. Yeah. The you, you're and still sh- as guilty you stupid shit. And
1: she liked to have power over others, so I was the submissive one. And what
0: a dumbass! Jesus yeah, Christ. I think that the Joe cops should just shot him in the head right there. Like, <laughs> just put. Where was in your backwoods justice? They, they, they should have gone. Hey. You know what, Detective Jones, you need to step outside. We all need some coffee and then shoot him. I don't know what to say. Big feller, he got up and he tried to attack me. He and tried to get my gun. I had to shoot him. And, of course, you know, she just kind of got in the way. Oops, hey, man, shit happens. Yeah. I'm, my bad.
1: Yeah. He said that he didn't know what else to do but go along with her. What a dumbass. He even said that he was afraid that she might try to kill him.
0: Oh, Jesus. And he Christ.
1: insisted that she was... Totally dangerous. That there was, I mean, that she just oozed danger.
0: Okay, we got to pause right there. You want to hold on? I got. I got hold on, I'm, I'm putting my fucking hip waders on. Hold on. Ah, are you waiting for through all the bullshit? Yeah, I guess I got I gotta hook them up here. Woo. Okay, I got my arms up high. My arms up high. I'm waiting through the bullshit right now. See them? They're You don't want to drown? Yeah. You see how high my arms are? They're they're above everything right now. Wading through all this bullshit that I'm hearing that this dude said. That's a lot yeah. of bullshit. There's more bullshit coming out of his mouth and it's on the dairy farm.
1: Yeah. Alvin went on to say that when it came to what she said about her allegations of sexual abuse while she was at YDC, he believed her and thought she had a very good reason to be angry. Which if it did happen, she did.
0: She did. But But that doesn't warrant murder. No, it doesn't. It is, I mean, God, fuck. and
1: you know, and even if that is the case, why murder these innocent teenagers it's, who who were in her same position?
0: It's weird that you said that, and I'll tell you why. Because I was just gonna say, it does warrant murder if you go after your attackers. You know what? If if she had done that, even though she'd still be in the same position, pretty much, I'd be like, you know what? You went after your attackers, right? I, I don't condone
1: you. it, but I don't fault you, right? Yeah. I. I
0: I understand it. I don't condone it, but I understand. I, I, I yeah. get it. Totally. But you went, or uh, they, they went after people that had, had nothing to do yeah. with victimizing them. And teenagers who were from group homes that were in the same
1: situation she had been in when she was allegedly raped right. or sexually a- 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 assaulted.
0: Exactly. Which, on a psychological uh, psychology level, makes no fucking sense. None. If, if they'd gone after people, let's say that the group home was ran by... Mostly women that were i don 't know uh, the nurses and they were all mean, and they all had a similar physical description or whatever then if that was their victim pool right or the doctors or the or the male orderlies, that was kind of their victim pool or people that worked in medical facilities or i'd be okay i don 't condone it I, I get it
1: right, I get it,
0: but just i don 't like, condone it just like
1: we've we 've talked about before that you know serial killers who target victims who look resemble their uh, parents who abuse them. You know, it's like, okay, you know, that kind of tracks. But then at the same time, victimizing a teenager when you yourself were a teenager who was victimized makes no sense.
0: None. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. So then... um, (sighs) He also... Told them that he gave them the impression that he didn't want to commit the rapes and murders, that she forced him into it.
0: Horse shit. Yeah. Okay, okay, Alvin, how the fuck does this little girl force a monstrous big ass guy like you into doing it? Did she threaten to beat you up? Is that it? Right. You were just scared. Did she hold the gun to
1: your head and say, put your dick in this woman?
0: Yeah. It's fucking.
1: Yeah. You're just gross. He actually thought, he said that he thought there was that at the ydc there was a prostitution ring an illegal prostitution ring and judith had gotten caught up in it as a willing participant and that at some point she truly believed that she had been raped by various court personnel as well in other words he was fairly ignorant and very gullible and she seemed to to know how to push his buttons to get him to do what she wanted Alvin said that the weapons that were used in the crimes all belonged to her and that she had killed those two teenage girls because of some rage that she carried around with her at all times. Now, here's Judith, okay? In the beginning, oh wait, where where was I? Uh, Judith accepted the blame. She exonerated Alvin every aspect of the crime. In her very own confession, she described her final moments with both Lisa and Janice, and she talked about how the shots of Liquid Drano and Liquid Plumber had hurt Lisa, and how Lisa had begged for her life, and how her blood had gotten on Judith's jeans, necessitating that Judith had to get rid of them. She also took responsibility for throwing the Molotov cocktail And the drive by shooting, but insisted that Kenneth Dooley was the one that raped her at the facility and that Linda Adair had facilitated the event. Okay, now, but the suspects eventually both changed their stories and their minds over what happened numerous times over the course of events, right? right. Alvin went on to tell the police how Judith had murdered Janice and gave directions to where they could find the body. He even drew a map implicating himself at least as an accomplice. Because how would you know where she was if you wasn't there,
0: right? Not only are these two disgusting as fuck. No, they're dumber than Lucas and Tool. I was just... Goddamn, we do read each other's mind. I was going to say... I used to say Lucas and Tool was a, were the two dumbest serial killers that we've ever done on this show, and uh, and right now we're at episode, I believe it's two seventy six, so it's a lot of episodes uh, compared to now. Alvin and Judith make Lucas and Tool look like they are they they have PhDs. I was going
1: to say that they were educated. They got
0: that education. <laughs> they got that five dollar education.
1: And they had a master's degree in stupidity, but whatever. That's true. (laughs) So anyways, it wasn't long before they were able to uh, locate Janice's decomposing corpse. And they determined that she had been shot, raped, and then dumped. I mean, raped, then shot, then dumped in the wilderness. I wanted to get that in the right order. Now, we have two bodies, two murders, two suspects, right? Right. It was obvious what would come next. But the DA in Tennessee was stuck at a strange impasse. The major crimes, being the murder, rape, and assault, had all been committed in different counties and different states. And the evidence against Alvin was weak, to say the least. They could get him for the Chapman murder, but they couldn't implicate him in Lisa's murder. So they kept him in Tennessee, where he pled guilty to his part in the kidnap and murder of Janice in exchange for a life in prison sentence.
0: Ah, right? goddammit. it.
1: Yeah. Now, Judith, however, was facing first-degree murder charges in Alabama for Lisa Milliken's murder. And since she confessed... They had a good case against her, so they extradited her back to Alabama, back to Bama. Back to Bama. Where she, for trial, and considering that the crime was committed in Alabama, they could seek the death penalty if she were convicted. So she and her court-appointed attorney, Robert France Jr., started preparing their defense, right? Right.
0: Right, right. Now,
1: Judge Randall Cole was presiding over the trial and Alabama had a three had indicted Judith on three counts, uh, three charges, murder, abduction with the intent to harm and abduction with the intent to terrorize. Now, one author says that Judith's first legal maneuver was to attempt to be considered under the Youthful Offender Act saying that she was a minor at the time of the crime that way she could be tried as a juvenile offender rather than adult and you and i both know because we covered craig price that in the 80s a juvenile offender would only spend enough time in jail until they were 21
0: that is correct
1: so let's keep that in mind now if she were convicted of murder as a juvenile offender she would get a $1,000 fine and only three years in prison because that's when she would turn 21.
0: fucking ridiculous. Now,
1: thankfully, her request was denied. So her attorney went to plan B. You know what that is?
0: Hmm. Bake for life uh, in prison?
1: No, insanity. Scott.
0: Oh, duh! I should have figured that. Yeah, one there.
1: insanity based on battered women's syndrome.
0: Oh my God! I, Jesus I thought fucking you were going to get that one right away. Sorry, I'm I'm doing business while we're talking. I was
1: going to say because you and I both know that nine times out of ten they try for that insanity plea first. So in the meantime, Judith had been was pregnant when she got arrested. She, she gave birth to another child in January of 1983. All three of her children, as it turns out, were born in, while she was incarcerated.
0: She <laughs> Damn, family tradition. Went, huh? That's a family tradition right there. Right?
1: So she also went through a series of psychological examinations to support, in an effort to support, her insanity plea. Now, even though she was found to be oriented and cooperative... no. Even though she tried for the insanity police, she was found to be cooperative, oriented, and therefore completely competent to stand trial. She showed no sign of being delusional or having it hallucinations, and she was intelligent enough and free of obvious organic impairment, which is, you know, mental retardation. Right, And right. she even displayed that she had a good memory of the event. While there was some sign that she suffered from depression. That is not a reason for the insanity defense. And so they, they had no reason to believe that she was out of touch with any reality at the time. Nor have, were they able to, or had been, Ah. nor was she able, unable to conform her actions to the requirements of the law. Which basically means that she knew right from wrong, in other words. Now, the trial was held at the DeKalb County Courthouse at Fort Payne, Alabama, began two months later in March. Now, her attorney attempted to have her confession thrown out, which, you know what, kudos to him because that's what he should have done. But the judge again ruled against him. Nevertheless, he put forth every effort to prove that Alvin was the instigator. And Judith was not at fault that she had no choice because Alvin was an abuser. Okay? So Alvin's saying Judith forced him because he was scared to death of her. And Judith is saying Alvin beat me so I had to comply. Now, French, the attorney, brought in Alvin's first wife who testified that... um, she suffered abuse from him for years, and she claimed to have many scars from that time. That set the stage for Judith to then take the stand, which said, which some authors indicate she was in. She was uh, on the stand to testify for three days. Some authors say it was actually four. She went into vivid detail about how she was a victim and she was afraid of her husband she told the jury that she couldn't help what she had done if she hadn't Alvin would have killed her too everything from assault to murder had been done under his direction his orders She had more or less been mindless accomplice because she didn't know what else to do, nor did she know how to act or think for herself. Do you hear my sarcasm?
0: (laughs) I do. I'm just shaking my head. That's all.
1: Yeah. She was subjected to vicious abuse and constant demands for sex that she had a hard time keeping up with him. She had pictures that allegedly showed everything and that Alvin had told her that she was to kidnap these girls for him to rape or else <laughs> she was as her attorney said his, in his closing argument like the bride of Frankenstein an extension of Alvin guided entirely by his will um apparently the, uh French said also in, also said in his closing argument that Alvin was a Svengali, and that Judith actually begged him to let Lisa go, but he refused. And Judith had only given the girl the injections in the hope that it would end her pain quickly. In other words, she said that injecting this girl with Drano and Liquid Plumber was an act of compassion.
0: Yeah, that tracks.
1: It was torture.
0: Yeah, no, that's fucked up.
1: Yeah. Then John Hancock testified. And he almost assisted her defense because he had to admit that Alvin seemed to have been directing Judith right before she shot him because, you know, he said, hurry up and get it over with. But the DA, a man by the name of Richard Egal, I-G-O-U, did manage to get John to say that he, she had clearly been acting on her own when she shot him. She also kept Lisa, the victim, foremost in the jury's mind so they wouldn't, wouldn't mistake who was on trial. Because Alvin wasn't on trial, Lisa wasn't on trial, but Judith was. Most of what <laughs> Judith had said contradicted the letters that the authorities had that she wrote to Alvin. So he considered her time on the stand a performance, He was determined that this was a play that would end very badly for her. He had no doubt that her recollection of shooting both women without Alvin's direction would present clear images for the jury. Now, during the rebuttal, his rebuttal, he actually called Alexander Salias... A psychiatrist to the stand who said that Judith knew the difference between right and wrong at the time that the crimes were committed and that she consciously chose to commit <clears throat> murder. Now, her attorney attempted to counter the psychiatrist's um, claims um, by asking him about psychiatric symptom uh, syndrome, which is also called coercive persuasion. And then he tried to get him to admit that Judith had been subjected to it via isolation, control, and brutality. In other words, he hoped that the prosecutor's uh, expert witness would stipulate that Judith had been brainwashed in some way. However, the psychiatrist responded by saying that Judith, as well as other battered women, still had free choice.
0: Hey, you know what? I disagree with her being brainwashed, and here's why. Exactly. And uh, here's my scientific opinion: she does not require your expert,
1: p- sci- your layman's scientific opinion.
0: Oh no, I'm an expert on this one. I don't believe that she reco- that 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 she possesses the equipment to be brainwashed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was where you're going, but yeah.
0: That's my opinion on it. I don't yeah. think that she has the the proper equipment to be yeah. brainwashed.
1: But, even if she was a battered woman, it all boiled down to her right to choose what she did. Now, her attorney then tried to undermine that with another example with an exa- numerous examples, one right after the other. However, the psychi- the psychiatrist held firm to his testimony. And he happened to be the final witness before both parties closed and the judge gave his instructions to the jury. Right. So that was the last thing that the jury heard, which they say is what stands out in their mind the most and usually what they base their um, verdict on. So the jury (laughs) was dismissed for uh, deliberation. I couldn't think of the word on March 21st, 1983, late in the afternoon. No one expected them to return with a verdict uh, by mid-morning the next day, but then they did. They found Judith guilty of kidnap and murder, yet they only recommended that she be sentenced to life in prison rather than death. Now, one author does say that they they recommended the death penalty, However, when it came down to it, it was up to Judge Cole to decide how she would be sentenced. And he had two written opinions. Ultimately, he decided that while Judith was young at the time of the murders, she was so brazen and the the crimes were committed with such cruelty... That he said that it was heinous and atrocious beyond that which is common to most capital cases, which you and I have agreed on so far. You know, almost to the point of Bittaker and Norris, huh? Yeah, just about, yeah, yeah. And he sentenced her to death, right? Um, now Judith listened to this and started crying because she was only eight. 15 years old. Um not wanting a second death sentence in another state, she chose to plead guilty to the kidnap and murder of Janice Chapman in Tennessee, where she received a life sentence. Then she got 10 years for shooting John Hancock, and it was her it was her deal with Tennessee that that prompted Alvin to finalize his own plea deal because he was afraid. That Judith would testify against him in court should he go to trial. Which, I'm surprised that he didn't testify against her. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. I'm kind of shocked Especially at that one. since he wasn't tried for the Lisa murder. It was a consensus of everyone who listened to the witnesses that Judith was the mastermind behind most of the offenses committed by the couple. It was she who persuaded her husband to participate in both of the brutal crimes, not the other way around. When they lured Lisa into their car where they raped and and wound up raping and killing her, it was Judith who gave her the injections of the caustic fluid and Judith who shot her. She was also the person who shot John and left him for dead. The question the jury had was whether she had done so because she was psychologically disturbed or she had been forced by Alvin as a submissive in such a manner that she would do whatever he wanted for fear that he would harm her and even when he was not around. Now, we have seen instances where that has happened, where they're so afraid of their abuser that they do what they know their abuser wants them to do. Because they're afraid of what will happen when their abuser finds out they didn't.
0: Yeah, that's not the case here. Yeah, no. <laughs> this, this Jewish chick's just a twat. I she mean, Yeah, she's a twat ended.
1: waffle. She's a twat She's
0: a twat-apotamus, man.
1: So they decided that she was not only aware of what she was doing, but she had not been under the control of anybody else. Now, Judith, after she was sentenced to death, she settled in and, you know, started her appeals process. Um... After she was sent to the Julia Tutwiler prison for women in Wetumpka. I don't even know where the fuck that is. And she became the youngest woman to be sentenced to death row in the United, in the history of the United States. In an interview from prison in 1993 she said quote, I pray for strength. I don't Ask God for me not to be electrocuted. I ask. I just asked that if I'm going to be electrocuted, to give me the strength to go through it. I'm such a martyr, huh?
0: <laughs> no shit.
1: <laughs> Although Alvin said that they were responsible for other murders, despite an intense investigation, there was never any evidence that could corroborate their story. Hey, and hold link on, them hold on. Solve crime.
0: I didn't know they were investigating in tents. I thought they were investigating in public and in buildings.
1: Oh, my God. You are so Southern. <laughs> I
0: thought so you were that one. So
1: fucking Southern. Now, nevertheless, Judith appeared to have had a thirst for violence and power. She was young, slender, and blonde, not red-haired, as that one kid had predicted, and which gave her an advantage with those who would rather believe that she was that the male was the instigator, you know, because she had that innocent quality about her. She was like just me. a girl and several groups began to fight for her, you know, on her behalf to get her off. of
0: It's like me. I, have, I look all sweet and innocent and like, an like angel. a little girl. Yes, yeah, like the little girl I am, super duper pooper trooper.
1: Are you a little girl in a man's body?
0: And I'm fabulous.
1: Only if you have your tutu on.
0: Barbie princess party for everybody.
1: Your tutu and your pink tube top, purple tutu, pink pink top. Be hating because I look tube sexy. Top.
0: Don't be hating because I I bring bring him sexy back. The only
1: thing that frightens me about that is that you will actually do it and I will have to see your hairy back and belly and maybe even your hairy ass again. (laughs) I'm just just saying for those who don't understand my plight, that's what I deal with now. And it hasn't helped that I've been staying here (laughs) (laughs) now. Judith's appeal was to get a new trial. But in March of 1987, the United States Supreme Court rejected her appeal then two years, it wasn't even two years later that they um, upheld her death sentence, right? She apparently converted to Christianity and developed a uh, developed, uh, I don't know how to put this, um, developed quite an extensive network of pen pals where she would write anywhere between 30 to 60 letters a week. She apparently developed a relationship with another woman in prison who on May 21st was found dead. Another woman in, in, excuse me, let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. She developed a relationship with another woman who was on the outside, who on May 21st, 1994, was found dead in her home. Apparently she had shot herself and she left photographs and a cassette recording of their fatal plan. Neely was found in her cell with her wrist slashed with the disposable razor. But she survived. So they had a murder. They had a suicide pact, apparently.
0: God, this gets weirder and weirder.
1: Then there's more. This is such a Southern name. I can't even get over it. Well, here we go. The governor of Alabama at the time, Fob James, F-O-B.
0: What's wrong with that?
1: Nothing. Don't make me say your other middle name. He decided that Judith, Judith didn't deserve to die for her crimes. So before he left office, he signed an order of commutation of her sentence to change it to life in prison without the possibility. However, that decision caused an outcry of the citizens of Alabama. So in an interview for the Post newspaper, he defended his decision. He said that he had given it long, uh, deep thought before he went through many, and as he went through many documents, including the letters pleading with him to reconsider Judith's case, that he not only got from her, but others who were fighting for her cause. The jury, he said, had given her life. It was the judge who gave her the death sentence. He said that since the jury who had seen all the evidence had decided on leniency then, and they were a set of her peers, their recommendation was the right one to follow. Therefore, that's why he made his decision to commute her sentence. Now, James Act shocked the former DA, Richard Ego, who, who prosecuted the case, who actually went on record with the media saying he did this without speaking to the DA's office or asking our opinion. It is clear he did not want us to be involved in his decision in any way. In fact, Richard Egal found it ironic that James had come to his conclusion about Neely's case on the same day which the DA's office had requested that her execution date be set. You know? So after the sentence was commuted with the expectation that it would be the final word, Alabama's Attorney General had the final say. And he said, um, Alabama's Attorney General did rule that the law allowed for the governor to commute the sentence. So Neely's attorney claimed that with time served, she would be eligible for parole immediately. However, he said... Par- but according to the commutation, which this part confuses me, that's why I'm pausing for a second, that he said she would receive life in prison without the possibility. So but how I was is to ask for parole immediately?
0: Yeah, none of that makes sense. But it's, yeah. it's Bama. What do you expect?
1: Yeah. So, but then a report in the Weekly Post for Montgomery said that Montgomery Circuit Court Judge Jean Reese ruled in July 2002 that Neely was not going to be considered for release until January 2014. 15 years after her sentence was commuted. Even if she was paroled, she would be extradited to Georgia, where she would face the rape and murder charge of Janice Chapman. Okay? So it's not like she would be getting out of prison. She just Because they chose not to try her at the time because she had already been sentenced to death.
0: It's kind of like having a child that you can't pay for anymore. She she ain't getting away from her mama. She's getting sent over to her daddy's house so that that he can pay the bills. But
1: I'm wondering, I mean it makes no sense that they're giving her parole options when the, when the commutation specifically said without the possibility. So I'm confused. So, um, currently though, as of right now, uh, Judith is the second longest serving female inmate on death row in the country. Uh, according to the, a newsletter published by abolish, which, uh, is against the death penalty in every state. And given the twists and turns in the case, it wouldn't be surprising if more information surfaced in the near future. Because it is now 2022 of Judith Neely's case again. So I'm just looking for it to happen. And you know it'll be a nationwide news because this was a big case back in the 80s.
0: That it will. So are we all done with this? Son, I Mitch? am
1: done with this. T- this convoluted, messed up, fucked up people.
0: These two are just confusing the shit out of me. Yeah. Anyway, remember you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium and Crime Beat on Medium and wherever you get your blogs. Just type in at BrutalNation. We should pop right up. Of course, I think that my commentary not being in that blog takes away from it. I'm fabulous.
1: No, it doesn't.
0: This show's (laughs) copyright 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. We will talk to you sexy boys and girls later. Remember, don't give anybody a sloppy jalopy. And uh, don't rape or molest anybody. And if you're hearing this on anybody (laughs) else's podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards.
1: I was going to say that exact same thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye, y'all.
1: Bye, everybody.